0: Good morning, good morning, good morning to our podcast listening audience for Saturday, February 13th, A.D. 2021. Welcome to our podcast entitled Crossroads, where our symbols are the interstate markings of Interstate 40, traveling east and west, and the interstate markings of Interstate 55, which travels north and south. It is here where North and South meets East and West. We're coming together at the epicenter and the center point. It is where our journey commences. It is called Crossroads. It is where we discuss contemporary topics of interest with leading men and women in business and industry, politics and government, in public safety, and in health and wellness where we discuss neighborhood and community development, education and religion, where we look at criminal justice reform and the criminal justice system and the law. These and other issues are of major concern and are discussed and analyzed because they affect us as individuals, as a people, as groups, and also as a nation and a world. The month of February, we will spotlight Black History Month, and this is the second installment of a four-part series. Our theme is the Black Experience, Africa to America. Special thanks is being given out to our producer, Dr. Bruce Smith, co-owner of BVS Gospel Net, along with his wife, Dr. Victoria Smith. And without them, this podcast would not be possible. I wanna thank you, Dr. Bruce and Dr. Victoria. Also, I want to thank the podcast listening audience for your tuning in. And you can always inbox us with your questions, comments, and concerns also if you like the podcast hit the follow button and thank you so very much for tuning in to crossroads i don't have to tell you right now that we are facing a crossroads we are at a crossroads the nation is being bombarded with so many issues that can confront us on a daily basis, such as what is going on in Washington, the impeachment of former President Donald Trump, the assault and armed confrontation on the nation's capital, leaving several dead, many wounded, officers ransacked, a gallows erected, and calls for the hanging of the best vice president, or ex-vice president, Mike Pence. We have seen the destruction of property. We've seen the calls of hatred. We have seen the symbols of hatred. And so we're dealing with a crisis. We're not only dealing with the crisis in government, but we're also dealing with a crisis related to the COVID virus, the efficacy of obtaining and a distribution and the movement of millions of doses and vials of vaccines in a consistent manner. We are also bombarded with the continued deaths from the virus. And some have been accused of covering up the numbers of deaths. And speaking of deaths, we're looking at the homicides and the suicides by our youth and our young adults, the violence, the lawlessness, the robberies, the kidnappings, and the hijackings that's being caused by so many young people, which gives our younger generation who are law-abiding and who want to exhibit good citizenship and leadership and scholarship being lumped into the same category of those who are perpetrating and perpetuating violence in our land. Our schools and our administrators are forced uh, with threats of the loss of fundings from the national as well as state levels if students don't return to live classes. And teachers and administrators are fearful of the spreading of the coronavirus, when they have not been made a priority in the distribution of the vaccines. They are apprehensive about returning to those closed settings. They are apprehensive of the fact that one case can lead to a contagious outbreak. And so they are apprehensive, even though they are being threatened with the loss of funds if students don't return to live classes. The pandemic is affecting businesses, hospitals, unemployment, and underemployment, and the loss of jobs. We're looking at the fact that we are facing unknowns and uncertainties. We do have a new president. We have, for the first time, a female vice president. And we're looking at the inheritance of these problems and more. And as a result, there are more questions than there are answers. And I want to thank you on this morning for tuning us in for the Black experience, Africa to America, as we examine our roles and relationships in a nation in which we are the only ethnic group that came not of their own free will, and have had to fight some amazing odds just to survive, just to stay alive, to be able to adapt, to achieve, and we're still trying to overcome. But many decks are being added, many wrongs are being added to the latter. And as we progress, we find ourselves being no closer to our goals than we were some 20, 30, 40, or 50 years ago. And in many aspects, in spite of all of our tremendous achievements, We are yet still seeing that we are falling further behind in every area of life, in our family life structure, in our educational attainments, in employment, and in every area we are seeing, we are being challenged. But I wanna thank you for tuning us in on today. We have a great guest. We have a special guest, a man that I call my big brother, man that I have watched through the years, who rose from humble beginnings. He is a man that I would like to give you some background on, and he will probably expand on them, but he is a world-renowned author, and I have two of his books, and one deals with urban education, uh, and the other deals with a myriad of, of subjects, of the role of schools, family, teachers, religion, community, local, state, and federal government in assisting parents with rearing their children. We certainly need this information now more than ever before. He has also written another book dealing with the making of urban community colleges in a union and a political environment. There's politics in every aspect of our lives. He has been a teacher in secondary schools as well as colleges and universities. I want to thank him for all that he has achieved. He's been a college administrator and and college president. This man that I'm about to introduce to you has conducted workshops and seminars and professional development clinics. And he's been keynote speakers at many conventions. He is a man that has played varsity and college basketball. He is an athlete. He has served his country well, been commissioned as an officer in the United States Army. He's married to Lady Shirley Kimmins, and he is a father. This man shares with us his deep religious convictions as he writes about what he has heard from his pastor and other preachers of the gospel on a weekly basis. He is God-fearing, brought up in a God-fearing home with parents and grandparents and others. I could speak very much so taking up this hour, but he's old enough to speak for himself. And this morning, I want to present to you our speaker and our guest co-host, none other than Dr. Willie J. Greer Cummins, hear ye him. Go right ahead, Dr. Cummins. if you'd be so kind as to click uh, the phone so you can enter into the podcast. Dr. Kimmel, there is a telephone symbol. Waiting on Dr. Kimmins to click on the phone at the bottom of the link. While we're doing that, I want to thank you for Mr. Carey for joining. I want to thank you Augustine. I want to thank you for Immaculate. I want to thank you for Belisto Seven, I want to thank all of our co-hosts and listeners for joining us at this moment. at the bottom of the link he is on Dr. Kimmins. are you with us let me just do this because I thank God for him and he has a story to tell and hopefully he'll be able to tell it very soon, but according to his biography, Dr. Kilman's was born in Hernando, Mississippi. He was reared in Memphis, Tennessee, where he attended public schools. And ROTC. He served as first lieutenant in the United States Army, Adjutant General Corps during the Vietnam era as an administrative data processing and personnel officer. Dr. Willie Kimmons received his Bachelor of Science degree in health education and psychology from Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri. Master's of Science degree in Curriculum and Instruction, Doctorate degree in Education Administration and Supervision and Higher Education, both from Northern Illinois University in DeKalb, Illinois. He's been a program director, Central State University in Ohio. He's been an assistant dean. He's been a dean at St. Francis College in New York, University of District of Columbia. He has been all over the map. He served as president of the downtown campus of Wayne Community College, Detroit, Michigan. He has been... Uh, given more than 500 presentations and lectures to all types of organizations. He is well articulated. He has given presentations to Kiwanis Club, Rotary and Lions Clubs, the NAACP, the Urban League, political group, Greek organizations, youth groups, parenting con- and you have uh, something that you would like to present to us, you can do so if you are not have not downloaded the Podbean app. There's also an inbox that you can use that if you desire uh, a question to be raised or a comment to be made and you don't have the Podbean app, and you're joining in as a listener, you can also use the inbox. We're still talking about the Black experience Africa to America. And I don't have to tell you as people of color that we have grown up and I'm not so sure that we can call this nation in which we're living in right now the United States of America. We're so disjointed we're we're so divided in many areas if we're not divided by race on this morning, I will ask you to state your question in the inbox. And I know some of you are wondering why, as a host, I'm going in and out. And the reason for that is that I'm receiving a telephone call from our co-host, and when the phone rings, It cuts out my transmission to you. And so I'm not going to take that call um, so that I can continue to stay connected uh, on the line this morning. I do want to apologize. Thought perhaps we had had everything worked out. And that we would have an outstanding presentation from our host on this morning. Our co-host, Dr. Willie Kimmins. If you have a comment, I want to say to you, you may make it at this time. I know some of you um, have been... um, Military uh, veterans, and you may have uh, you may want to uh, describe some of your experiences here in America as well as overseas. And if that is the case, You're certainly welcome to become a part of this podcast on this morning. I certainly want to thank you so much on today. I know that you've had many experiences. Some of you have experienced what we call the black experience. Maybe in a segregated community, which most of us have, understanding the African experience here in America, segregated facilities, such as our schools, our lunch counters and places of of eating and dining, social engagements, riding on the bus, you name it, every facet of American society was affected. But I just want to remind you that some of you may not know that our parents and foreparents did so much more for integration than we give them credit for. Even in the segregated schools, schools that Our own fellow classmates, along with us, were not able to attend. Guess what? Our mothers and our fathers were there. They were there in the cafeterias, helping to prepare the meals for the mainstream students. Our parents and relatives were there in the schools as custodial workers, as janitors, as cleaners, as assistant building engineers. And they were our forerunners. They were there as part of the black experience. In America. They did their jobs. They were counted upon. They were needed and they felt wanted. They may not have been able to experience all of the benefits. The pay was low, no doubt about it. The benefits were restricted but they worked they worked with their hands they used their minds they used their ingenuity they did all that they felt was necessary to make the ends meet for the family and to uphold the dignity of work And so we want to lift them up on today. The many women, our mothers and grandmothers, who worked as domestics in the homes of the mainstream families, they had to get up early in the morning. And I remember... In my early age of traveling to school, the buses would be crowded with women going all over the city of Memphis, headed to houses, some transferring two and three times to get to a particular neighborhood or home, getting out early in the elements, braving the rain, the wind and the storms, going to those homes, serving in a capacity, and many times surrogate parents and grandparents would go in and prepare meals for the family, after preparing the meals, would wash the dishes, would make the beds, clean the floors, prepare for the evening meals, in addition to washing clothes, ironing clothes, folding clothes they had a job every day to do and they did their jobs with dignity and respect. My mother was one of those domestics and I remember on many occasions with brothers and sisters they would give my mother what we call hand-me-down clothes that would fit our brothers and sisters and myself. And many of our clothes that we wore had been given to us by those people that my mother worked for. And those clothes had nothing to do with our ethnicity. Many of them were generic. Some of them had slogans and other things on them. And we'd never been to Disneyland. We didn't know anything about Disney World and other places, Niagara Falls, and all of the other imprints that was on the clothing. But we wore them anyway. They supplemented the few clothes that our parents were able to purchase. And so we thank our parents for leading the way. They integrated the homes. And we thank them for being trailblazers and pathfinders. I want to thank you for listening. And if you like this show, I know it's not where we want it to be. Dr. Kimmins, have you made it on yet? There's a question that has been asked. Someone says, I understand the days of old, and it is good history. And we don't want to repeat it, but I am Black in America in 2021. And we are facing a different, crazy pandemic world. And I say you are correct. But we cannot move forward until we understand where we are being. And if we don't correct the mistakes of the past, we'll find ourselves repeating the mistakes of the past. Yes, we are facing a different, crazy pandemic. No doubt about it. But by the same token, if we don't face what we're facing head on. And that's one of the reasons why one of the things that is a different world, and I just want to give you a good example. When we were, as young people, the idea of suicide, and taking one's life was almost unheard of. We had so much facing us in terms of desegregation and segregation. We had so much facing us in terms of prejudice and lack of opportunity, taking our lives was the least thing that we thought about. The thing that we thought about was not taking our lives, but the thing we thought about was survival and the will to live. And unfortunately, when we have been bombarded, our children have been bombarded with so much that deals with the materialistic aspects of this world, trying to measure up to peers and what they have and feeling that if they don't have what Johnny has or Susie has or Mary has or Junior has, that they are a failure and they don't want to be ostracized. And they get themselves painted in a corner instead of not understanding. They don't know where their peers' clothes and materials came from. And unfortunately, it was a point in time when we work two and three jobs, believe it or not, to obtain a particular kind of status because we wanted to live in a certain way, not understanding that it's not about having and spending, but it's about being frugal, It's about actually being conservative and keeping what you have for a rainy day. And as a result, a lot of the pressure that we see has been exhibited upon our children and our relatives is because of this accommodating spirit that we placed upon them. And so we didn't have to deal with suicide, but our children do, and families do. And children, when they get backed up in a corner, they see no way out but to take their lives. And say, yes, this is a crazy world. But we also have to understand That there was more communication with families in homes. We didn't have a TV in every room. And kids, we didn't grab a plate and go to our own room, look at our own TV program and become distant from the family. But there was one table And we sat at that table and we learned how to say a prayer because we heard our parents praying at the dinner table. Unfortunately, we don't hear a lot of prayer because our parents are not as deeply rooted in godliness as we should be. And when we don't practice these kinds of virtues around our children, they don't have role models in which to hang their hats on. So yes, I agree. This is a different time. Situations and circumstances may have changed but we're still facing some of the same pressures. Somebody says, I can't imagine what the black man has to face in this society today. I grew up hearing it's the white man's fault that black men are hard-pressed. I see so many examples of black inventors whose legacy prevailed and they were men of fate. And that is what I was saying earlier. We have to have examples, profiles, in courage. I will tell you this that we are not where we are because of ourselves. We didn't get to America on a 747 or 757. We didn't come to America on an ocean liner, on a carnival cruise. We didn't come here with first-class accommodations. And as a result, it is to a great extent the Caucasians' fault. When you are subjected from 1619 to 19 or 1864 and past a systemic racism and you ask someone to compete with others who have been free and their children have been free and have had access and then say uh, that we're going to test you and see where you fall. And we use testing measures as a means to admit or to deny. And we come We've come through so many things, through so many adversities, having to fight for everything. And even in this 21st century, in 2021, even in the nation's capital, we see men and women continuing to perpetuate the same behaviors that brought us as slaves to America, and yet, it seems like the impetus for civil rights and for equality falls too much disproportionately upon us. Why? Why? Because if people are really sincere about equality, they would do all that they can to make sure and to make certain that it does not exist. And when we see that we as a people of African descent, we've always been the last hire and the first fire. And when we have tried to fit in, we have been denied. Even many of our inventions that we have made and discovered, guess what? They were stolen. They were taken. We were cheated out of them. We were denied them. And when we look at all of the inventors, and we're still inventing, we discover that many of our people ended up in poverty as inventors names taken from us and my brothers and sisters it's still happening it's hard when you give people a concept you take your concept to somebody And you have to explain what it is. And when you explain it to somebody, they haven't had a clue in the world. But as soon as you explain it to somebody, they go to somebody who has the money and has the means. And they steal your idea. And then they patent it as if it's their own. We're living in a mean world here in America. And that's why it's important for us as children of the Most High to train up our children in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they won't depart. In the Black experience today, we have to deal with The black-on-black crime, we are killing one another more than anyone else is killing us. Well, all death is not, and I wanna say you're right, we are are dealing with black-on-black crime, but there are also other kinds of killings that takes place. When our dreams are killed, when our hopes and aspirations are killed. When we are turned down and turned away, when we have to compete on an unlevel playing field that's killing our people, when our young people can look at us and say, look at all that you've done, look at all of your education, look at all that you've accomplished and you're still being discriminated against. What do you say? What do you tell them? How can you convince them to continue to go on when somebody has put some weapons in the community, when they have imported all kinds of drugs in the community and say, you can be a businessman, you can be a businesswoman, you can have this, you can have that, you can own these luxury automobiles, you can live in this Uh, a 5,000-square-foot home, gated community, money in your pocket, going on vacations, wearing expensive jewelry. And so we're having to deal with another kind of monster today in the Black experience. And we must move forward. And somebody asked the question, how do we move forward today in this society in which we are living? And that was the question that was asked by Dr. Martin Luther King. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? And I want to tell you one thing, that our problems did not start overnight. And they are not going to be solved overnight. Especially when you have so many of the so-called enemy that is bombarding us and our families and our homes and our childrens from all directions. When they see this and that. And one of the greatest detriments has been to break up of the family and the home. Oh, we've had since slavery, it was designed that families would be separated, that men would be stood, so to speak, and father many children for the cause where fathers were used and mothers were breeders as well as families being one unit, one father having many children through many mothers. What kind of responsibility does that place upon us? when we're seen as breeders. And our children don't have the father figure to start with. And our homes have been makeshift at best. When we didn't have but two-room homes, or three-room homes, a living room, a kitchen and a bedroom, and all of them doubled at night as three bedroom homes. And so we are we are bombarded with these same problems, and yet we ask the question: How do? Where do we go from here? Where the same government, the same government and institution that allowed these things to happen are the same governments and institutions that have the responsibility to help make them right. The home and family, the schools, the educational institution, and the church. We have got to work together, but there are some people who still have that old southern plantation mentality. Keep the end in his place at all costs. And that's where The criminal justice and injustice system has played a major role. Just had a nephew to get out of federal prison for selling crack. Crack cocaine. Did over 25 years in federal penitentiary And here our men are being pardoned for embezzling and swindling and taking millions and millions and millions of dollars. And here we are. We'll put a man in federal penitentiary away from society. A nonviolent crime. And then others have gone into the state and local systems and have committed crimes, gotten out, gone back, gotten out, gone back again, gotten out in 20-some years. Record as long as a city block. Injustice system. And then we wonder how can they survive when they get out when society shuns them and turns its back upon them and says, you have a record. We don't hire felons. So what's left? What's left for a man who has spent most of his life behind bars and has learned? Little skilled because we're living in a technological age and nobody is teaching these kinds of things behind prison bars and jail cells. And we wonder why they return to crime and why there is so much crime and killing in our communities. Because our young people don't trust the system and they don't trust us either. My brothers and sisters, Africa to America, the black experience. I don't have to tell most of you about it because you've experienced and you are experiencing. You are living black history every day. We don't have to relegate black history month to one month of the year. Every day, it's Black History, and you experience it. I was going to share with you, Dr. Kimmens. Are you on that? Did you ever make the line? This man, I was going to share with you that there is an award called the Horatio Alger Award. This uh, association is based in Alexandria, Virginia. was founded in 1947 uh, to honor achievements of outstanding Americans who have succeeded in spite of adversity to emphasize the importance of higher education. It grants scholarships. It is one of the largest privately owned associations in the world. It bestowed the Horatio Alger Award on outstanding Americans who exemplify dedication, purpose, purpose, and perseverance in their personal and professional lives. They have achieved success in the face of adversity. That's saying a lot. And I believe that each of you should be awarded the Horatio Alger Award just on the basis of having achieved success in the face of adversity. Awarded to leaders and athletes and entertainers and innovators and entrepreneurs, to doctors and teachers and artists and writers who have overcome adversity and achieved great success. I wanna let you know that there are some men that you, whose names that you may know, and I won't call all of them, but I know you've heard of Hank Aaron, baseball ball, baseball player, recently deceased; Maya Angelou, a writing poet; Wally Amos, an entrepreneur; Lou Brock, baseball player; Doctor Ben Carson, a physician; Willie Stargell, baseball player; George Foreman, a boxer, and entrepreneur, Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice, Denzel Washington, who's an actor, and even from the city of Memphis where I reside, Dr. Willie Willie Harrington, educator and ex-mayor of Memphis. And I think that after reading the books of Dr. Willie J. Greer Kimmons. That Dr. Kimmons' name should also be added to that list of men who have achieved, who have overcome, and who have adapted in the face of adversity and has overcome overwhelming odds against him, and his name may not be included right now, but along with you and others, I want to confer upon you not the Horatio Alger Award, but the Lee Adams Award for Outstanding Achievement in the face of adversity and experiencing from Africa to America and beyond. My brothers and sisters, I want to thank you. And if someone says, I can't imagine what the Black man has to face in this society. But I want to thank God that we have a Most High, a Heavenly Father who understands and he will say, well done. And until that time, we must continue to move forward. And I want to let you know There is a place that we can go from here. And I believe we are upward bound. Thank you so very much. This has been Crossroads where north and south meets east and west. Where it is the epicenter and the center point. We are only just beginning. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer for you and your home and your family. Be blessed.